at the dinner time, um, Irina asked me if I would be uh, willing to, um, for the time of the retreat, uh, let go of my um, rainbow scarf uh, in order to, um, in a way, um, in order to offer it to the Buddha and uh, in a way welcome uh, him in our, uh, in our uh, queer uh, um, community. So I thought it would be, I thought it would be a good thing to do at the beginning of the talk. So. I'll try to do this with style. Welcome among us, Buddha. This is really the crowd you want to hang out with. <laughs> it's, it's the good crowd. <laughs> mm. So, um... I, um, this talk is very unprepared, but I, there's a, I knew what I wanted to talk about, so we'll see how it comes out. Um, I'm uh, a few years back, not so long, just maybe a couple of years back, I heard the teaching and this uh, wise being, Ajahn Analayu, was, uh, I think, uh, citing the, the, the Buddha in the text and, and saying that there was uh, two, uh, naming two causes for the arising of a wise view or wise understanding or wisdom. So two causes for the arising of wisdom. And to me, wisdom is very much related to uh, um, an experience of freedom. When there is wisdom uh, in me, available, it feels it as the taste of freedom. The mind or the heart is free in the in the presence of wisdom. And so, when Ajahn said the, uh, that in the text there was two um, uh, causes for the arising of wisdom, I became really attentive because I I really wanted to know what causes wisdom and a feeling of freedom in one's uh, minds and mind and heart. And uh, he said that uh, in the text, it is said that the voice of another can cause the arising of wisdom. Of course, the wise voice, you would imagine, of a, another person 
could cause the arising of wisdom. That's, that's one cause. And another cause is uh, attention, wise attention or mindfulness, if you will. And to me, hearing this was so sweet. I can't tell you how, how sweet it was because in my years of practice, when I heard it, it just was a statement of my experience that m the, any wisdom that I had gained seemed in my experience to have come from the voice of my wise teachers and my capacity to hear what they were saying and, you know, and their capacity to send it from exactly the right angle, like with the right words at the right time, that I could be hit and, and that something would be clarified in my heart or in my mind. Yeah? Have you had this experience of reading? The voice of another can be written, of course, of reading something or hearing somebody say something wise and you recognize deeply or intuitively, this is it. This is the liberating thing that I, little piece that I needed to free that aspect of my life or that thing now where I was stuck, you know? So there's a, mm, wow, just a little piece I needed. So from the voice of another and uh, from being attentive and imagine when the two are mixed together, attention given to a vo wise voice, it can be very powerful. And in my experience on retreat, the more I calm my mind and the more I, my attention is refined and sustained and there's a unification and pacification of the mind-heart, when uh, my teacher talked to me in Dharma talks, or s there's an availability. I'm not in my ideas about other things or about what is said, but I'm uh, available in a certain way that uh, I can be touched more deeply. And so tonight I want to talk about these two causes of wisdom a bit. And um, as I arrived here, I was reflecting on the power of this retreat for me. I'm a little of a clamped. Is that one word you could use for that? Um, and I was thinking of the things that I've heard here in this hall last year that were very powerful for me to to hear, and that followed me uh, followed me the the whole year. It was there in the it uh, in my teaching in my teaching. I go oh channeling arena, you know, <laughs> or my version <laughs> arena, but. Um, uh, I, and I, I could feel in my practice, in my own practice, how uh, some of the things I've heard here. And so in a way, I was excited uh, uh, when I came here thinking, I actually want to report. I want to say, I want to bring up a feeling of continuity. Like, oh, we were here last year. Some things happen here because I'm, I'm given the voice, you know. It's like, so I want to use the voice to say, well, there's some things that happened that were meaningful for me here last year. But before I get to this, I think I want to uh, um, just uh, tell you this little story, and it probably is going to get a little bigger as I go, but 
I actually made a mistake in the scheduling because we had to play with a number of things and this and that. I actually showed up uh, uh, the day before this retreat. So 40, uh, 24 hours before, I showed up like ready to start. And you guys weren't there. <laughs> I arrived at the gate there and I was like, that, usually there should be a few cars waiting for the three o'clock opening. There's no cars. And then anyway, I, I, we, we, I drove up here and it was like, this doesn't smell like the beginning of a retreat. You know, there's something missing. <laughs> anyway, and they said, no, 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 it's tomorrow. And I was like, oh, oh, I could have had another day to play <laughs> in the Bay Area, you know, or so, something, you know, to, but okay, so I'm here, I'm going to stay here. And I went for a little walk, and uh, as I was walking, I saw there's a place where they put a little information about what's happening at Spirit Rock these days, you know, in the community hall. And I just looked like, oh, and, and I saw it's Monday night, there's a talk on Monday night, and I saw there was Gavin Harrison who was talking. So I don't know if you know who Gavin Harrison is. So, and so, to me it meant a lot to see this name appear there, really a lot. Uh, and I didn't expect that, and I thought, oh, what a blessing that I came. Awareness of strong emotion. You just have to let it rip. <laughs> Do its wave-like thing. Um, yeah, I thought it was a real blessing that I was uh, 24 hours early because I could actually uh, see uh, Gavin uh, give a talk on Monday night. So let's go back almost 20 years before uh, Monday evening. Um, so I was uh, 25 years old, and may maybe some of you know this. Is at 25 years old, I learned that I was uh, HIV positive. And uh, at that time, there was uh, the medication that we have today weren't there uh, at that time. They came just a year after. And so it was a, I mean, it still is a, a difficult thing to be with, but it, it, was a, it was for me a death sentence, you know, uh, and um, it was very difficult at 25 years old. I can imagine at any age, but anyway, I know that story, you know. So to learn this was a it brought a lot of confusion, and it was um, it was very shaking. Uh, I really thought uh, that I was eternal, and in a way, I learned that I wasn't. And I mean, many things, many beliefs, false beliefs that I had were shaken. Um, and uh, I flee to, uh, in a way I flee to, um, to Asia and I ended up sitting a retreat for a week in the south of uh, Thailand. And as I came out of the retreat and was very touched by the teachings and the, the method itself of a kind of observation of feeling of, getting closer to reality. I was very touched by it, but um, right as I went out of the retreat, 
I went to some bookstore in some tourist area in Thailand, and I ran into a book. It was called In the Lap of the Buddha. So I think it's my first Dharma book that I read. So I, it was just like one of the used books there that I bought. I knew nothing about it. It was just I come out of a Buddhist retreat. It was In the Lap of the Buddha. And I start reading this. And so this is my kind of welcoming in that field of practice, in that lineage, in that tradition, is a book written by Gavin Harrison, who's a gay man living with HIV and talking very openly about it and about sexual abuse also. And, uh, and so I'm there coming out of retreat and my first Dharma friend on the path is somebody who's gone through what I'm gone through or somewhat, you know, the similarities there. And so it's so colored the whole thing for me that probably it's one of the reasons why I can be here and talk. I mean, it's not probably. It is definitely one of the reasons why I can be here today and talk openly. It's because from the get-go, I felt very welcomed because that man had taken all his courage. I can imagine writing a book like this in the... In, I don't know when it was written, early 90s probably, um, and actually confirmed that to me because I spoke to him for the first time um, just a few hours ago. And he said, there was nobody talking about this stuff. It was not, I was not represented. I was not there in the field. My experience was not there, so I had to do it. I had to talk about this uh, because people were, there was some bypassing maybe happening or it was not, it was not there and it needed to be there. And so, yeah, and so I was very lucky to uh, run into him and I thought, oh, I'm going to go and um, sit, uh, go to the talk and just sit there and maybe at the break or if I see a little moment I'm going to go to him and just say you know your book was very influential and I'm going to be up there next week uh, starting tomorrow teaching an LGBTQ retreat and in a way you're one of the elders for me you know and you're so and uh, and so a little earlier I went in and as I went in uh, one of the staff was there like Pascal Gavin is looking for you. Gavin is looking for you. And I was like, what? And he came and he's like, oh, I heard about you. Somebody was just telling me, you have to meet this guy. You know? and, and I was like, no, it's me. It's me. <laughs> I want to meet you. And anyway, we had a couple of hours of uh, chatting uh, after. And uh, it was very, uh, very beautiful. But just to give uh, another, what I'm doing is that I'm bringing the, for me, the, vo uh, you know, when I say the, Wisdom arises from the voice of another. So I'm, it, I want to pay tribute to one of the voices that for me was really a good help on the way. And just to make it just a little bit more alive, I, I want to tell you a little 
encounter that happened uh, Monday night between Gavin and one of the students that uh, that was there at the talk. And so, um, uh, at the end, uh, towards the end of the evening, there was a Q and A. Gavin opened the floor for uh, for Q and A's, and there was a young person who was there, a estimate in their uh, early twenties. Um, very earnest, uh, very, uh, yeah, I think that's the word, earnest. They, they raised their hand and Gavin said, please, this person took the microphone and started to describe their experience of being alive uh, with a lot of accuracy, a lot of, uh, you could see that this person had a lot of mindfulness. They were describing a lot of confusion and self-hatred, or, yeah, an, um, a certain amount of confusion and self-hatred and saying, I'm really trying this mindfulness stuff, you know, like I'm taking it to heart. I try to be very mindful, but there's so much doubt in this mind. There's always doubt coming in this mind. And also, this, this, this mind is very severe with this, very harsh on itself. And so these, of course, are going to be my words, not the words of this young person, but that's what I was hearing. They were saying, uh, it's, uh, I, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel adequate, I don't feel enough, uh, and I'm, I'm aware of these thoughts, but they get the best of me most of the time. And uh, I thought the report was so beautiful, like exactly what was happening, they could report what was happening. And I think there was, m- uh, a m- a m- uh, with me in the room, I don't know, there was maybe 150 people, it's hard for me to tell, but the f- all the attention was totally on this person. It was really hard not to be interested in that person because of their level of honesty and openness and vulnerability. And the only thing I could see was the beauty of this being. This being was so incredibly beautiful for their vulnerability and their willingness to share they were basically glowing of something, of who they were, you know. And uh, I had not so much realized until Gavin crossed it, but there's a kind of a little wall huh, with the stage here. It's, it's, there's a kind of an invisible wall, you know. There's the students and the teacher. Or they can, anyway, I don't know, you just... Uh, this person reported, and instead of re- answering from here, you know, and the person was sitting around there, oh, so da 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 da, he just, Gavin stood up, very spontaneously, very spontaneous being, stood up and went to sit just with the person on the floor, you know, like this, you know, and it was not calculated, it was just very spontaneous. He came and sat, and he was like, oh, you. You know, and he had this microphone, he had this microphone, and the other one had the microphone, and they had an exchange, and the whole room was witnessing the exchange. And Gavin, in his very um, ecstatic these days uh, way of talking, and poetic way of talking, and it was a mix, I think, of his own words, spontaneous words, and maybe his poems, and Hafiz's poem, but he started to. tell this young person how beautiful they they were and how could they just touch the earnestness and the desire for freedom that had 
made them come here at that meeting and that made them be attentive during the day to see the patterns of the mind, the story that, that the mind was telling itself, you know, and, and was kind of naming everything that had been heard that was a beautiful expression of care and quest and, uh, and just reporting back this, can you see this, can you see this? And he, Gavin ended up with this little sentence, I don't know if it's Hafiz, I don't know if it's something that he had said before, was spontaneous, but he said something like, Sometimes we are the, I think I wrote it here. Sometimes we are the last one to find out that we're lovely. And it was very, somebody told me they saw a tear come down the face of the young person but I, I could see, I, I was right in the right angle to see the face of this young person as uh, Gavin was talking to them. And uh, I could see that this young person was really listening very, very, very closely. But it seemed also from a distance, like some, I can almost hear what you're saying, that I'm beautiful, that there's beauty and worthiness and that I'm, uh, I'm adequate enough, you know? I, it seemed like this, it seemed like there was like, yes, you know, like I'm in the desert and you're sending water to me and I'm almost touching it, you know. It's how it felt that it was almost sinking in and I thought, but that's good impressions that are going to be left in this being, very important. And also it felt like the whole crowd that was there could really see the beauty of this being. Gavin could see the beauty of this uh, being and this being might be the last one who would find out the amazing beauty of this being, you know. And so it was very special uh, teaching for me there. And it thought, I thought, this is so universal. This is so us that we, um, we're mistaken. We're we we're, we're mistaken by the voices that we hear and we really believe them, of course, because they're strong, they're powerful, they sound or appear as intelligence, you know, and we, we're um, under the spell of these voices. And the job that we do here is a lot to clarify this, to clarify this. And these voices, of course, also they come from the outside, this very, very powerful messages. Uh, I mean, just, I, I don't even know if I should share this, but hey, you know what I told you at dinner, like the bad news of the day? So, yeah. So the bad news of the day, from what I read really quickly, is that... Uh, uh, homosexuality was recriminalized in India today. And so, of course, we would have this inner voice that would suddenly start to say that there's something wrong, you know, that we're ugly, that we don't belong, that, uh, you know. And so this this message of uh, mm, 
recognizing uh, the falsity of this voice, inner or outer, the importance of that. I'm a, I'm a white man. I have a lot of privileged privileges. I'm a, I'm I'm targeted in a way as a as a gay man, as a HIV positive person, but still extremely privileged. This vice could have ru- ruined my life. So I I can imagine if we're multi-targeted, I don't know the language really well, but being a person of color or of a different gender or uh, or transgender or I don't know, all the abilities and age and how how powerful this message can be all the time. And for me, we come here to clarify this for ourselves. What I love in these teachings is they are teachings of independence. Let me, that's what I hear the Buddha say, let me show you a way to encounter reality where you will be able to clarify things for yourself. You will not have to believe your, the voices outside and you won't even have to believe the regular voices inside. You'll be able to see freshly with clear vision what is what, what is worthy and what is unworthy of your attention, what is worthy of uh, being a value of yours or not. And, what, you know, and you will clarify the beauty of this being that you are. And I'm saying also this, now I'm, I'm coming back to, it's, it's, to me it's very interesting how this thing that happens together because when I came here before knowing that Gavin was here, before knowing that he was going to talk to a young person and have this amazing exchange, before all this, I had great gratitude for this two things that I've heard Irina say last year that's really colored. I mean, in the moment where she said them, there was a transformation in me and it colored my attention all year where I could see this teaching reappear, reappear, reappear. And of course, wanting to share the good news with other people. And it's actually exactly this. There was a way last year, so I'm reporting about, uh, it's as we, we come together again, you know, and I'm saying, hey, how, how was your year? Well, let me tell you how that retreat last year influenced my year, you know. So there's a teaching that uh, Irina gave last year where she was explaining very clearly for me, I, it was very clear that in one sentence I would say, a feeling of inadequacy, or unworthiness is a basic manifestation of ignorance, of confusion. I don't know why I, over all these years of practice I had not heard this this so clearly. And you, you, you had, I mean, there was a lot of juice around it, examples, and you t- talk a lot about this, but it was really a hit for me. It was like, oh, when I feel inadequate, not enough, not belonging, it's confusion. It's not maybe confusion, maybe ignorance, maybe right, maybe a good assessment of what's going on. It is a way that ignorance manifests in one's mind. 
And I thought I had understood this during the retreat and it was clear to me and I wanted to be, become very attentive to this in my life when I was uh, being uh, fooled. Is that the way to say it? That I would actually believe this voice. I wanted to see like, oh, here is a place where I believe it. You know, like it, I'm under the spell of that impression that I'm not good enough or not, you know. And so I thought, okay, I, I got good stuff. I want to work with this. And I think toward at the end of the retreat or some, at some point, Arena said, um, she said, I am, I was sitting just there, she was sitting here, and she said, I am honored to be queer. To be queer. I am honored to be queer. And as she said, honored to be queer, it just made the kind of, in my brain, like, I had never considered that possibility. You know, I was sorry I was queer. I was okay I was queer. I could deal with being queer. You know, but I was honored. That, that, and right then there was an opening that was like, me too. Me too. (laughs) Me too, I want, I am. Suddenly I am honored. It's an amazing honor. It's not for everyone. It's just for a few of us. (laughs) You have to be chosen. It's not an easy thing to carry. It's and it's a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing because it gives you vision that other people don't have. It gives you the chance to see the world from a different angle. If it's well, uh, well uh, held, you know, carefully and anyway. So I just wanted to report this and say. So these are the things that happened to me last year here in this context through the voice of another. So one cause for wisdom. And wisdom for me, again, it has to do with liberation, being liberated. And suddenly to go from unconsciously, this was not known so well, but unconsciously not being honored to be queer to suddenly being honored to be queer, being... You know, maybe a real sense of pride, if that's the right word there. Real, like, there's something really precious there. Not just something I can do it, but something extremely precious. So something there was clarified for me through the voice of another. It was liberating my life. It, these words, for me, were beneficial. They were liberating And so the voice of another, and another cause is attention, being attentive. And this is what this retreat is made of. You know, you hear the voice of another, instructions, and things like this, and you're invited, we are invited, to be attentive to what's happening. I'll read just a little something else to you. This is from the Sutra. There is the case where an untaught, ordinary person who has no regard for uh, noble ones and is unskilled and undisciplined in their uh, dharma, 
in the teachings. So there is the case where a non-taught ordinary person does not understand what things are fit for attention and what things are unfit for attentions, attention. Since that is so, they attend to those things unfit for attention and does not attend to those things fit for attention. I just, I've, I've been reading this little piece several times. I think it's very, very simple. But it's, to me it speaks so much about the clarification of this practice. Is before I got instructions about where to put my attention, and before by putting my own intention I started to clarify things, I would most of the time put my attention where it, it was not good for, my, for me not beneficial for me and for others. And with this practice, that's my personal understanding at least, is that I'm clarifying on a daily basis where it is a good thing for me to put my attention, in which way putting my attention will be beneficial. So, very like common example. I can sit here or anywhere and be caught in ideas about who I could be or I could have been or if things hadn't been like this, how they could have been or they would have been or, you know, or what if this happens or doesn't happen. And, and I mean, I can spend hours giving attention to conversation that could happen and people that could say hurtful things to me and how I would defend myself. And I mean, I could spend hours putting my attention in all kinds of places like this or putting my attention into... Uh, you know, creating craving. Like, I want this, I really want this, this, this is really what I, if I have this, I'll be really happy. And, and unknowingly experiencing more and more lack because my happiness is when I'm somebody else or when I'm so, with somebody else or somewhere else. And, yeah. and uh, so things unfit for attention. I didn't know anything about this before. You would have said this to me, I was like, leave me alone, I do what I, what I want, I put my, well actually no, I, like I'm clarifying this now and I, I'm sitting here in front of you and I'm always like, probably not fit for attention, Pascal. What we could be fit for your attention? Well, knowing that thinking is happening instead of being lost in it, you know, just knowing that there is the passage of thoughts, that there is a little obsession turning in the mind or turning the mind or taking over the mind, you know, just becoming attentive to that, becoming aware that this is happening. Oh, instead of being in the trance, in the spell of that, yeah. And so, uh, maybe a few more words on this. It says that when we put our attention where it, it, sh- it shouldn't be, that's a kind of a strange way to, to say it, but it's, it's only in terms of if we're interested in freedom, in peace, in, you know. So um, when I put my attention in a certain way to, or towards cert- I give it to certain things, it might tend to uh, uh, make arise in me what we call the hindrances, the difficult states of mind, the doubt, the longing for something, the separation from another thing that would be better, the, 
resistance to what is there, the agitation, the the you know the discouragement or this this dejection. You know, it will create all these. And when the attention is given to the right thing, it says that in times, in time, it will calm the mind. It will balance the mind. Isn't that something that seems worthy of clarifying? Oh, tell me, what is going to calm my mind? What is going to balance my mind? What is going to energize this mind-heart? What is going to bring uh, joy and enthusiasm to this heart-mind? You know, I'm amazed that there is actually, I'm so thankful that there's actually ways to use the mind to create beautiful inner conditions. And I want to clarify this. So, and the practice in a way is extremely simple. We're invited, I mean, this is going to be nothing new. We're invited to feel the body as it is sitting. It says, this are things fit for our attention. Sometimes, uh, I mean, there's this saying from Natalie Goldberg, she says, uh, I think she says, if your problems seems more real to you than the fact that you're sitting, maybe meditation could be a good idea. So do you see when you go some, some, you put your attention on your problems, 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 and then the invitation is, could you let go of this and bring your attention to the sitting posture? It's so, we would not have thought about this on our own, you know? I would not have thought about this on my own, anyway. I remember the first retreat I sat, they say, would you put your attention on your nostrils? We're going to do this for three days. And in this way, you will come your mind, oh my God, my nostril is fit more for my attention and my obsession with my problem is unfit for my attention. I did not, not know this. Thank you so much for telling me that my nostril is fit for attention. <laughs> I'm joking, but that's a lot of what's happening here. I say, can we put attention to hearing? Because it's happening now. My ideas about the dreamed life or the other life or is just constructions of the mind, you know, appearances of the mind, generations of the mind, unreal, fiction. But hearing is truly happening. There are truly sensations in the body, so awareness to the senses, to the body. Or when we say here in the hall, try to see, the, uh, can you notice the quality of your heart or quality of your mind right now, <coughs> discovering that the mind is scattered, Discovering that the mind is gathered. Discovering that the mind has heaviness to it, or tightness to it, or contraction to it, or lightness to it, or spaciousness to it. And you'll use your own language, of course, but an invitation for what is fit for attention is the quality of the heart-mind right now. And we could do this. Just notice the quality of your mind right now. Some minds are disinterested, some minds are interested, some minds are maybe uh, uh, impatient, some minds are restful. No judgment whatsoever. Just, oh, this interested mind is like this right now. More than, is he going to shut up? He's been talking for an hour. You know, like, can you, can you 
instead of being in that trance, maybe be aware that there's talking that is happening in the mind, that there's a coloring of the mind. And so these are just examples of things fit for attention because eventually they will be liberating more than entangling. So it's a lot of words. All this to say, uh, we have the chance here this week to hopefully, if things go according to plan, have access to wise voices and loads of time to find out what is worthy of our attention in order to liberate, free the mind and become a, a freeing agent also in the world, somebody that can contribute, not with trouble, but with clarity, with strength, with uh, a clear voice, you know, with compassion and, and, uh, and care. So let's just uh, sit for a moment in silence and see what, uh, what appears in our experience. In just a few words uh, from uh, Carnival, a poem from uh, Gavin Harrison. Is your life a frantic dash from what has been to the to-do list of what may yet be in store for you? Spinning in circles? Dizzy? Disconnected? Have you joined the carnival of insanity sweeping the land? Time available? Never enough? Are you moving at the speed of light? Is this the light you long for? There is nothing courageous or valiant about such frenzy. Rushing from fire to fire is no fun and not without consequence. Stop before you are stopped by the reverberation of speeding and acceleration. Move more slowly without apology or justification. You may wish also to disdain the exhausting spiritual merry-go-round of cultivation, self-improvement, and purification. Stop seeking. You are already all that you earn for, yearn for, sorry, and so much more. Decry the voices of poverty and lack. If there is a problem, it's not one of momentum, if it, there is a problem, it's one of momentum, not deficit. Free fall from small time in the depths of time. Rest within the web from which you cannot fall ever. Encounter all who have been, are, and will be within the timeless immediate. Future and past are present here. Nothing to flee, nowhere to go. Fall to your knees. Drink the sacrament of deep time.
drink the sacrament of deep time. Thank you for your attention. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.